welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 1, so if you would turn there to 1 John, and we are in uh, a series called 1 John, because we're studying 1 John, and we're in week 4 of that series, Uh, so I'm going to read from the first chapter, verses 8 to 10, and I'm going to ask if you would just stand with me as we read God's word. It says this, if we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. Pray with me, if you would. God of creation, we look forward to being together, and uh, God, as much as we can and as much as we are able, we have prepared a place for you this morning. We recognize that you are present everywhere in creation, that there isn't any part of creation that doesn't have your fingerprints on it, uh, that your presence doesn't touch. And so uh, we don't want to invite you here because we know you're already here, but we want to just say that we have prepared a place for you um, because we love you, because we expect to be with you and meet with you. And so God, I pray that you would um, fulfill your promise that as we draw near to you, you would draw near to us. God, I ask, Holy Spirit, that as as we talk about this topic this morning, that you would um, take away any of the uh, scales, any of the baggage that we may have brought into the room based on previous experiences or relationships we may have been a part of. And I pray, God, that what comes to the surface is something that is of you, something that's true, something that's beautiful. And we pray by your name and the power that raised you from the dead. And all God's people said... Uh, Amen. You can have a seat if you would. So we're going to talk about confession this morning, and in just a moment I'm going to ask you to come one by one down to the front, and we're going to give you a microphone. And, uh, no, totally joking. Let me, t- let me start with two stories. Uh, first story is this. I went on a retreat a couple years ago with my wife, and uh, it was a pastor's retreat, so there were other pastors and, and their spouses, uh, both men and women, and... Uh, uh, and, and so we're on this retreat, and the speaker, you know, starts his deal. It's a weekend deal, and he starts and kind of does his thing. And then, sort of, the big epic, you know, moment on a retreat, of course, is Saturday night, right? It's always Saturday. Now, this particular time, it was Friday night because we started Thursday, Friday, Saturday because these people are all pastors, and so most of them have to get back for Sunday. So it's Friday night. It's like the big moment, kind of the pinnacle of the retreat experience. And so the speaker guy gets up and he starts to talk. And he's talking about pain. He's talking about being in ministry and some of the wounds and some of the scars and, you know, the battle wounds that you might have experienced in ministry. And he's talking about all these things. And throughout the deal, I'm getting increasingly nervous. Um, He's he's making some assumptions about, you know, people that are in ministry and what you might have experienced and this, that, and the other thing. And I can kind of see where this thing's headed. But I don't, okay, don't be judgmental, Mike. Don't be a jerk. Just hear him out. So he keeps talking, he keeps talking, and he's sharing about his pain and his stories and all this and that. And then sure enough, right at the end, um, he gets to the end of his deal, and he says, uh, now what I'd like you to do is get in uh, groups of three or four and uh, uh, find some people around you and share um, some of your deepest pains in ministry that you've experienced with them. And Laura and I look at each other, and we're like, is this actually happening? Is he serious? Is this guy, is he joking? I'm waiting for the punchline, right? Like, ah, I'm just kidding. You don't know these people that you're sitting next to. I would never ask you to do that, right? I'm waiting for that line, and it's just crickets, you know? Dead silence. Thinking, 
Wow. Wow. Just bury your soul with people you don't know. That's cool. I guess if I'm looking for a good time on a Friday night, that's what I'm looking to do, right? <laughs> so that being one story. Another story, I worked at a church, I formerly worked at a church, and every now and again I'd have an opportunity to speak on Sunday mornings. And of course, you know, being the wise and savvy veteran that I am, I never really went too far out on the limb, so to speak, when I had an opportunity to, to teach on a Sunday. Wouldn't want to rock the boat. And uh, so, if you can imagine the most stereotypical Eastern European kind of old lady, okay, this person in your head, right, you, you, we've all seen pictures of these folks, or maybe you've visited with them, or, or actually been to Eastern Europe, but just kind of the classic stereotypical Eastern European kind of old lady. And uh, every time I spoke at this particular church, this gal, this woman, and her husband, like her English was bad enough, and he couldn't speak a lick of English, right? And I gathered that they may have been like Russian or something like that. And uh, I would speak, and she came up to me for the, fir the first time, kind of furrowed brow, you know, like, you know, like 50 years of frowning. And she says to me, what is your confession? What do you confess? And I kind of, um, you know, as you can imagine, going, I, I, I beg your pardon. Can you say that one more time? Like, maybe I missed it in translation. And she says, what do you confess? What is your confession? And so I'm kind of like, ah, boy. Uh, Jesus, I confess that Jesus is good, and I like him. And, I, you know, I wasn't really sure what to do or what to say. And then inevitably, like, each time I spoke, she would come up to me and just like, what is your confession? What do you confess? Finally, I kind of developed a sort of, you know, pat answer that, that kind of alleviated or <laughs> um, subdued the, the ferociousness that she asked the question. But she, she always asked, what is your confession? And I, I, couldn't, I just couldn't figure out what in the world she was talking about. So I start this morning by sharing these two stories about confession because I'm guessing that if you've been to church or you've been a part of religious communities, you have some thoughts on the idea of confession. And as I prepped for this morning, I gotta be honest, as I was thinking back on my personal life and my history and uh, things that I've experienced related to this topic, um, it wasn't good. It was not something that I looked fondly back on. Often it sort of brought feelings of isolation, uh, of guilt, of shame, kind of this you're busted moment, right, where you know you've been caught and your blood pressure starts to rise and you start sweating and your mouth gets really dry, those kinds of moments, and I'm guessing that if I were to ask you to come and share a little bit about your experience with confession, maybe some of you would have some positive things to say, but I'm guessing that the majority of us might have some negative things to say. Part of what we want to do at Awaken, part of why this community gathers, and what makes this, this gathering of people, this church, unique, and why I think so many of you have said, yes, this feels like home to me, is we want to deconstruct some things at times. Now, we don't want to be totally, you know, always deconstructing, always asking questions, always, you know, being skeptical. But we want to offer a, uh, we want to give freedom to deconstruct some ideas and some maybe some things that we've heard before in the past because there might be a more faithful way to interpret them. There might be a more helpful way to understanding, understanding them. And I think that Confession is no exception. So the idea, you guys saw uh, the little vision video for those of you that were sitting, some of you were, most of you were still getting coffee and gathering, but this, this, this video that we made talks about creating a safe place to journey with Jesus at the center. This becomes absolutely crucial as we try to do this, right? As we try to create a safe place where you can question things, where you can ask hard questions, where you can doubt things, 
The idea of creating a safe place where you're not going to get outed, where you're not going to get called up front to you know, be made an example of, but a place where you can actually ask hard questions that are on your heart and, and in your spirit. Uh, we want to do that, and we want to keep Jesus at the center of that. And so this morning, what, do we, what we're hoping to do, as we kind of came to this passage, it was like, well, here are the options, here's how we could tackle this, and there were some pretty predictable ways to do that. And we thought, what, what if we came at it from a totally different angle? What if we sort of flipped this thing around and looked at it from the other side? And so our hope is this morning that in the next few moments together, um, ben and myself and the people that are running sound and light and all of these folks uh, are kind of, we see ourselves as curators, as people who are creating an environment and an experience that you have an opportunity to walk into, that you have an opportunity that you are invited to step into. And I recognize and we recognize that this is a difficult topic. It's, it's often very personal, um, which makes sense. But we hope to create an experience where you are uh, maybe challenged to go a click further or a step farther and to be invited into an experience that we can have together. So that's what we're hoping today. So let's start with this first part of uh, verse 8 where John says, If you claim to be without sin, you deceive yourselves. Uh, I want to start in this kind of, and there'll be three parts to this. I will offer a reflection, and then uh, Ben and the, the band have kind of created some music that sort of go with that, and we'll have some opportunity to reflect, and we'll do that a couple of times. So in this first part, I'll start by saying this. I think confession starts with an honesty regarding the story we tell ourselves. Confession, if John says, if you confess your sins, or if you claim to be without sin, you, are, you deceive yourself, confession starts with an honesty about the story that we tell ourselves. Um, he says, if you claim to be without sin, you're deceived. Let me take that a step further or tease that out a little bit and say it a couple of different ways. If you claim to be less broken than you are, you deceive yourself. If you claim to be more put together than we really are, than you really are, you deceive yourself. If you claim to have a handle on more than you actually do, if you claim to be in control, if you uh, claim to be more honest than we really are, if we claim to be more devoted, if we claim to be more generous, if we claim to be more compassionate than we really are, any of these things, right? If we, if we inflate who we are or we sort of bypass some of the things that we are, we what? We deceive ourselves, John says. Um, Peter Rollins is an author, and, and some of you may have seen a tweet that I posted this week. David Stewart sent an e a video that I've watched a couple of times, and you might recognize some of this today. But uh, he talks about this in, in terms of, of the Facebook profile kind of idea, right? Uh, we, there is a story that we tell ourselves about ourselves, right? In our own mind, there's a story, there's a narrative that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And it may or may not be totally accurate. And he talks about this Facebook profile idea. The story that we tell ourselves about ourselves, or the story that we tell the world about ourselves, often is a little bit a click more inflated, or a little less true to, uh, or a little less true to ourselves, right? And and these are all the things that get posted on Facebook. Nobody's going around posting on Facebook all the things that they hate about themselves, or all the ways that they mess up, all the ways that they fall short. Right? It's always about, yeah, look at this latest thing that I've done. Isn't that awesome? And hey, did you see this painting I made? And oh, did you check out the song we recorded? These are the things on our Facebook profile. The problem is, this version of us, this profile of us, this story about ourselves that we tell ourselves, isn't necessarily always true. It may be a little off. It may be a little bit more than or a little bit less than. And so confession starts with a brutal, 
honesty about who we are in the deepest places of our hearts and the distance between the story we tell ourselves about ourselves and the reality of ourselves, or what happens, what, what exists in the real world, material reality, he calls it. So what's the story we tell ourselves about ourselves, and what's the truth about us? Confession starts with a brutal honesty about the distance that exists between those two stories. And we all want to be free from places that, we all want to be free from the places, the space between, right? The, real, the reality about who we are or, and, and the story we tell. We want to be free from these places because the, nobody wants to look at that. Nobody wants to pay attention to that. Nobody wants to press into that. That's uncomfortable. And we run from these things. We run from this distance. We try to repress this distance or we dilute it or we tell a story that's a little bit more exaggerated and, and we don't necessarily sit with it, right? We all want a place where we're free from that. The kicker is, and this is the, the irony of it all, Right? If this is the story we tell about ourselves and this is the true reality about who we are, the kicker is when we run from the distance between that, when we run from our suffering and our brokenness, we're not free from it. We actually participate in the very thing that oppresses us. We actually perpetuate the very thing that holds us down. Right? Darkness. Not exposing it. Not speaking of it. Being silent about it. And that very act perpetuates the guilt and the shame that we feel about the story we tell about ourselves and the real, true reality about who we are. Imagine this scenario, family of five, two parents, couple of kids, uh, brothers and sisters. Every Saturday morning they sit down and they have coffee together. The kids have tea because of course we don't want to caffeinate our children, right? Uh, so they all sit down every Saturday morning, and it's like this family ritual. It's this thing that they do, and there's stories that are shared, and there's, you know, how's school going, and this, that, and the other thing, and laughter, and fun, and dreams, and what if this, or what if that. This beautiful moment every Saturday, every week. And imagine one of the children dies, tragically. A uh, son is lost. And amidst process, uh, uh, the funeral and all those things, the next Saturday comes, and it's kind of this awkward, like, well... This is what we do. And so this family gets together, and again, they sit in this room, and they, as if nothing has happened. And they kind of awkwardly drink their coffee and their tea and um, really don't speak of the son who's lost. Now imagine a different scenario where the same family, the same thing happens, and that next week, as awkward as it might be, somebody has the courage to say, I really miss my brother. And a story is told, and a memory is shared, and laughter happens, Who's free from the suffering and the brokenness, the loss that they've experienced? Only when we create a space to name it and sit in it do we begin the process of becoming free. Do we begin the process of healing? Do we begin the process of becoming more human? Only when we name it and sit with it with people that we love and that we trust. That's where the dream begins. So John 8 has to do with, has to do with being honest about the story we tell ourselves about ourselves and the true reality of what actually is there. And so in these next few moments, uh, I'm going to ask you to just meditate, to think. Um, whatever you need to do to do that, if it's close your eyes, if it's go sit up on the couch upstairs, if it's find a corner, whatever you need to do, 
Um, then in the band, they're going to play for a little bit, and it's just going to be an opportunity for you to think. I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than think about these two questions, and they'll be on the screen behind me. What kind of brokenness exists in the deepest parts of my heart and soul? What kind of brokenness exists in the deepest part of me? Maybe it's related to sin, maybe it's related to loss or tragedy, or I don't know, but what kind of brokenness? And then the second question is, what is the distance between the person and the story I tell about myself and the reality that is, that is actually there? So as Ben plays, I just encourage you uh, to spend some time thinking about those two questions for a moment, and then we'll move on to part two.
this first part is about being honest uh, with ourselves. Then I want to talk about the second part, verse 9, in terms of reframing our view of life. Uh, and this, I think, is where a real quantum shift is going to need to take place in, our, in, in the way we think about confession. Because this is where fear in my mind, right, where no one else can hear me, where my voice isn't actually audible. I'm okay thinking about it there, but the moment I'm asked to bring it out into the light or make it real uh, in terms of it's spoken and it's out there now, Fear and things, uh, fear of being judged, fear of being mocked, compared, ridiculed, excommunicated, disassociated, disfellowshipped, uh, outed. All of these things start to rear their ugly heads. So I think we need to reprogram our brains a little bit because the scriptures tell a very different story about life. The scriptures tell a story that isn't about needing to fear this light, one that's sort of isolating and alone and leaves you there naked and ashamed. That's not the light that the scriptures really talk about. But it rather, it's a very different light, one that um, seems to welcome us in. Uh, do we have those two pictures? I forgot to ask you guys. Did you get those? Yeah. Yes, we do. Okay, great. Um, I want to I say that instead of thinking about light in this terms, this first picture... Right, where, never mind the funny looking guy. It appears to be defying gravity. But this idea of, of, of confession and light, where it's like this one solo light, you know, the, the movies where the interrogation room and there's the one chair and the light, and like you're alone and that's it. I think when we think of light, oftentimes, and especially as it's related to confession, this is the picture that we have. And, and when I confess, or when I do something, when I participate in this activity, this is what it feels like. Everything else is dark. I can't see anything except everybody can see me, right? I want to offer a different view of light. I want to offer one that I think actually is a bit more biblical, and it looks more like this. Right? This beautiful warm, inviting light that takes you in, that welcomes you home, that restores your soul. One that, uh, where you come in out of the cold and out of the dark into this warm, beautiful place. And I want to offer that confession and this light that we're talking about is that instead of the previous. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. So work this out with me, if you will. Um, who does the we refer to in this sentence, right? If we confess our sin, who does the we refer to? This is not a trick question. Us, okay? So us, you and I, right? So if the we refers to us, you and I, if we confess our sins, then he, and who does the he refer to? Jesus, okay? Specifically in this text, as we've learned in the last couple weeks, Christ. Now, what do we know about Christ from 1 John? What do we know about this Jesus? That he is, in fact, God. Right? He's God, and what do we know about God according to last week? God is light. So if Jesus is God and God is light, then essentially what this verse says is, therefore, if we bring our sin and brokenness into the light, we are restored, made whole, welcomed back into relationship. Jesus doesn't come as the interrogation light, the one light to expose you and sort of catch you in the act like you're busted. That's not what Jesus has come to do. In fact, John 3.16, of course, we all know. The following verse, John 3.17, says that, uh, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Is it 
I guess, I guess my question is, is it possible for a community to live this out? Right? Because we're talking about this kind of light and this light that welcomes you in and, bring, and, and welcomes you home and restores you, kind of makes you warm on the inside. Nobody has a problem with that idea when we're talking about God. Right? Oh, yeah, okay, I, I, could, I, could, I could buy that. That's who God is. And maybe this light that we're speaking of as it relates to confession, like God welcomes me home and restores me and brings me in. Nobody has a problem with that, but the problem lies with you and with me, right? Because we totally screw this up all the time. We're supposed to be something. We're supposed to be this, this people that embody and are ambassadors on behalf of God. And if God is light, then this community should be like that picture, one that welcomes you and restores you. But how many of us have been a part of a community that did not restore you? but that called you out in a way that was just horrible. That's where it gets tricky. And my question is, can a community live this out? Rollins, in this interview he does, talks about AA. And he says this, and I want to quote it because I think it is just absolutely profound. He says, through the eyes of other people, you suddenly realize I am an alcoholic. Which talks about, and and really hits on the need for community. There are things about myself that I am not willing to see. There are things about myself that I may not be capable of seeing. So through the eyes of another, I see myself. You reflect back to me, he says. And suddenly I realize I am an alcoholic. Then he says, you're courageous enough to admit it and to do it publicly in front of a group of people. Now, here's the, here's the catch. A group of people who do not ask you to change, who just bear witness to it and say, I know how you feel. They bear witness to your suffering, to your sin, in a community of grace where you are accepted for who you are. And then he says, and in that acceptance, you begin to change. I'm wondering, what if Awaken were a community that bore witness to one another's suffering? What if Awaken was a community where you bear witness to my brokenness and my sin and accepted me for who I was? And get this, and did not assume the responsibility to change me even if I was a liar, an addict, a drunk, a gossip, a cheater, a liar, self-indulged, even if I were any of those things or all of those things, you did not assume the responsibility to change me. You just accepted me and welcomed me in. Two questions would remain. Number one, do I have the courage to name the real me? Do I have the courage to speak the distance between the story I tell about myself and the the reality that is me? Do I have the courage to name it, to speak it, to create a space to sit with it? And the second question, which is a game changer, is this. This community, is this community a place of grace, where you are accepted for who you are, 
with all of the distance, the chasm that exists between the story you tell about yourself and the reality of who you are. Is this a community of grace where you're accepted for who you are? That assumes and does not take the responsibility that God has in this. That trusts God's work and role in the process. Is this a community that is willing to do that? To play our part, which is welcome, grace, acceptance, and trust God's work in the gentle nudging and changing and making us into the people who has always created us to be. Because that's the spot. That, that's, that's the deal breaker. And when we experience community that doesn't do that, but that takes on God's role, it often feels very judgmental. Like you're being looked down upon. Like somebody's pointing a finger at you. Like someone is shining a big, fat, bright light on you. And you stand alone. And I would submit to you this morning that that is tragic and completely foreign to the gospel. So in this next time of reflection, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Number one, I'm going to ask you to trust me. Trust me that I'm not going to make you bury your soul in, in front of all these people because that would be manipulative and it would be wrong for a number of different reasons. I'm going to ask you to trust me as, as we try to take you on this journey. But during this next time, I'm going to ask you, would you be courageous enough to write down one thing, one area of brokenness that you meditated on earlier? Maybe there was only one that came, maybe there were a few. But I'm going to ask that you write one of those things down. And I promise you this, I will not ask you to speak of that nor will anyone else say, oh, that's this person or that person. And as this time closes, as the, the, the music begins to kind of ramp down, uh, two people are going to be one upstairs and one downstairs, and they're just going to collect these in a bucket. Now, if you're new this morning, uh, this may be, whoa, snaps, what did I just walk into, right? Um, we have two options here. Number one, we could do what we do on Sunday morning in a way that would never offend anybody or never make anyone feel uncomfortable. Um, or we could just do community the way that we, we feel like God's called us to do community and invite you to participate at whatever level you'd like to participate. And so we've chosen the latter. So as the music plays, I'm going to ask you, would you write one of those things down? And then we're going to move towards community and hopefully a, a different perspective on community, confession, and why both of those are important and absolutely integral to one another. So.
we kind of try to land this thing, um, I'll ask, I think it's top and then we've got some buckets. So we'll be moving around upstairs and down here. And uh, just running. Oops, can't see anything. Um, so as we close, I want to offer two thoughts uh, on the power of words and the importance of community. Um, and as they kind of go around, if you want to place those in the bucket, uh, first words. If Jesus reveals, fully reveals the heart of God, the scriptures say that Jesus is the full representation, the exact representation, the exact representation of God. If this is true of Jesus, if this is what he represents and what he shows us, then what we see in the heart of God is a deep need, not a need, not a need, but a desire for forgiveness and for restoration. This is what Jesus shows us about who God is. Let me draw a few connections here. The scriptures speak of us as the church. This gathered group of people, this called out community of people in the world, as a priesthood of believers, Paul says. Now, fundamentally, what does a priest do? Most fundamentally, more than anything, or above everything else, if he does nothing, he does this. He represents God to the people. And most fundamentally, when a priest speaks, he speaks to the people on behalf of God. So if Paul calls the church a priesthood of believers, then in essence, we're called to represent God to one another and to the world and to speak on behalf of God often to one another and to the world. Right? This is what Paul says. We're a priesthood of believers. He goes on to say that we are ambassadors of this ministry, this idea of light, welcoming us home, reconciliation, he calls it, restoration. We are ambassadors of this idea. That's what Paul says. First John says, if we confess our sins, Christ is faithful to forgive us. When we bring our brokenness into the light, he restores us and welcomes us back. Can I suggest this morning that one of the most powerful things that you and I can do for one another is to speak on behalf of Jesus, words that are true of you. Now, whether you believe it, whether you accept it, whether you integrate it into yourself, your being, is another story. But when one of the most powerful things that you and I can do for one another as the church is to speak words on behalf of Jesus that are actually true, which are, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Whatever it is, doesn't hang around your neck. You're forgiven. To speak those words, Bonhoeffer talks about this beautiful idea that as the church, we do this for one another. This is why confession is so important. This is why being honest about the distance between the story I tell myself about myself and the reality of myself, make, naming that and bringing it into the context of community and love, that's why it's so important because not only do we open ourselves to healing and growing, but we hear the words of forgiveness that are true because of Christ. And words are powerful. We did a whole series on this. Words create new realities. Words uphold things that are true. Words create structures that we can understand and believe something about God and one another. Words have power. And so when we speak those on behalf of Jesus to one another, it's powerful. Now, community. Confession, again, it's, it's, it's for me most often been thought of as this individual act, this thing that is very much about me and God. 
And yes, it is, but I want to we want to broaden it this morning. This is where we want to kind of flip this thing on its head. Galatians chapter 6 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to invite you to bear witness to one of your brothers or sisters' brokenness. I'm going to ask you in a moment if you'd like to participate to bear witness, right? Remember that quote that we bear witness to one another's suffering and brokenness in a community of grace where we don't ask you to change, but we accept you as you are. And so as a community, Galatians 6, carry one another's burdens, right? This is what Jesus does for you. He takes your brokenness on himself and he bears it. And so we're going to invite you to take the brokenness of one of your brothers or sisters. Obviously, these are unnamed, and that, that's not the point. The point is something else this morning, and it's about community and seeing this in light of community. And so we're going to ask you to pick one of those out of the bucket as you come and receive the elements for communion. And then as you go back to your tables to find someone near you who has a card, and in couples or as a table, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. There will be two phrases on the screen. One of them says, on behalf of my brother and sister, in the, and in the spirit of Christ, I am. And I want you to just read what's on your card. Speak it aloud. And in this way, bear the burden, the brokenness, of one of your brothers or sisters in this community. And then I'm going to ask the other person, and this will be on the screen as well, to say, on behalf of Christ and this community, you are forgiven. And friends, get this. As you do this, know that somebody in this community has taken your suffering, has taken your burden, has taken whatever it is you go and is bringing it to light. And someone is saying, you are forgiven. Just as you say that to one another. So again, I'll offer this as an invitation for you to participate. If you come and you take the elements for communion and you don't um, take your part, that's fine. That's okay. No one's going to judge you. But we wanted to create a space and invite you into something because we believe there's something powerful about what's happening, what's about to happen. And as these things are named and we create a space for us to sit with them and we don't ask one another to change, but we just extend grace that we trust God is in this and we trust God's part in this, that he alone has the capacity to change our broken hearts, has the capacity, has the desire to do that for us and with us. So, then the band are going to play one last kind of instrumental tune and as they do, um, I'll ask the people that are serving communion if you want to come down, there's a station here and a station there and if we could get... Um, one bucket up there and one bucket down here. And as you come and receive the elements for communion, a sacrament, by definition, is a means of grace, right? It's a, it's a means by which we experience grace in, in the history of the church. So the sacraments 
are these things that we participate in, baptism and communion, that help us connect to the story, that are a means by which we understand and receive grace? I want to invite you into this because today, as we do this, we literally become a sacrament for one another. As you speak these things and we hear the words of forgiveness, we are a living the way by which we understand this. So, I'm going to pray uh, and just by way of uh, how we do things at Awaken, they call it intention in the old school. Just dip the bread in the cup. There's juice and there's wine, um, red wine, grape, white grape juice, and there's gluten-free uh, in the smaller dishes up here. And so when you come and you receive communion, take it back and then head back to the table if you have a card. We're just going to allow some time for this to happen organically, and it's probably going to be a little awkward. Introduce yourself if you don't know the people at your table. Um, and then those two prompting questions will be on the screen. And I just invite you into that. Uh, and then if maybe one of you would um, just ask it for a blessing for uh, what we just experienced, and then we'll sing one more song together. I recognize that uh, I'm asking a lot of you as your pastor. Um, we thought a lot about this this last week, and we... Uh, as a whole, decided, felt like God was in some meetings in this direction. So, let me pray, and then I'll let you to come, take a card, and get back to the tables. God, uh, we want to um, recognize that you have done something for us that in Jesus we see the exact representation of the living God. And that Jesus was a person who took our burdens and our brokenness and he made it his own. And for salvation's sake offers forgiveness to us. God, not that we can do anything to change that or make it better or alter it in any way, but you invite us as your church to step into this role of being a priesthood for one another and for the world who speaks to each other on behalf of you, Jesus. And so, God, in these next few moments, I pray that by your Spirit, you will be present in this space and that, God, people will hear as, as words begin to be spoken and voices are heard over the music that what would be happening would be drenched in grace and forgiveness that flows from us through us to another. And may that be the tone, the essence, the way in which we live our lives. We thank you for this gift of bread and wine. And ask that you be present in the midst of it. And for this act of symbolically taking on one another's burdens and, and speaking forgiveness, God, may you also be present in a way that we sense you, feel you, experience you. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter and Facebook community. See you next time.